again, another week, another full slate of games. I'm Jonathan and I'm here with Ryan Sigurdsson, who appears to be stretching or struggling. I can't tell. It's a very fine line. I did physical and, uh, activity yesterday, so I'm stretching. I'm very Yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and Mazen Malegi, uh, not much notable to say about him. <laughs> Guys, a couple of interesting games this weekend, from this weekend. Um, and then we obviously had the Cup from Sunday as well, the Cup Final, which was uh, a real doozy. Um, Sigal, I'll start with you. Uh, Manchester United and Chelsea, were you surprised by the result? I was surprised by the result, but not really taking a step back, I think. So what we, to give you everyone kind of a quick overview, Chelsea tried to play the same game style, same lineup, not same lineup, that's a key difference, but same tactics, same game plan effectively as they did against Barcelona, which they had a fantastic result in. Uh, instead, they made one big lineup change. They put Murata up top. He has a golden opportunity in the third minute. He doesn't finish. Uh, and then United just kind of united their way through the rest of the game and they're they're the home team so they you know they, they caught a couple of goals Lukaku had a that was a nice triangle uh one two that he had with um yeah it was a great goal that was uh, a great goal it was his first goal against like the top six this year or something I don't know the, the announcers were with, losing their minds. it was with uh, uh Martial yeah it's Martial he Lukaku scored a big boy goal so people are happy about that but yeah. uh I, I think Chelsea played the right game plan. They won the XG game, but they didn't. Murata didn't put it in. He had his he had his chance. It came really early, and he just he duffed it. And that's that's the game. Effectively, it was. A, I, I think I was right when I said last week that this was going to be a boring game. I, I thought this game was pretty lackluster at times, but yeah, I think United. The, the, the you know the result is what the result is, but Chelsea had their chance and they passed up on it, missed it. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I mean, the game was pretty boring. I think Chelsea started off really strong, and and I kind of thought this game was going to go in the direction of Madison's prediction from last week, which, to remind everyone, was a Chelsea victory, and uh, he was wrong. No, I, I predicted the Chelsea victory. And uh, so, so wrong. He was That's just slander. You know, we record these conversations, John. <laughs> uh, where? Where? Says, says who? Who listens to it? <laughs> oh, God, the cell phone. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Madison? Were you surprised by this result? Obviously. Uh, I wasn't uh, surprised. I felt this was something that United needed more than Chelsea. And sometimes when you have evenly matched sides, that can make the difference. Um, what I was surprised about was uh, Chelsea, well, really just the Chelsea coach's attitude toward the match. I'm going to focus in on a particular thing, uh, but I think it kind of can't be understated. Um, Jesse Lingard scores about around the 70th minute, and two minutes after that score to make, you know, which made the score 2-1, um, Antonio Conte made the decision to substitute Eden Hazard off the field. Yeah. Um, this and then is, takes Moses off the field five minutes after that. It's, just, it's a baffling decision, honestly, and. Um, to talk about things that make me look kind of bad and on the show. Last week, I was talking about how Conte makes great decisions. <laughs> He's a good game manager. Um, and I thought he'd be great against Barcelona. But um, I don't really understand that decision. 
Um, and this is a little baffling. Actually, Tybalt Courtois actually was in the, in the papers talking about how he didn't understand the decision and that, and that maybe the manager needed to explain it. Um, Conte's explanation was simply that Hazard looked like he had low energy. Um, that's not a good enough explanation for me. Maybe, maybe it's a good <laughs> enough explanation for others. Um, and I think probably to the larger point, you know, you have a feud with Diego Costa. That's pretty easy to do. I think he's not an, he's not an agreeable guy. Um, but Costa's kind of the player that Chelsea needs right now. A bulldog kind of guy to be able to kind of just like make chances and score when he has the opportunity. And Alvaro Morata is just not ready for this opportunity that he's been that he's been given with Chelsea. And his performance in this match shows it. Uh, I think that Chelsea probably arguably had the better performance of the two sides, um, but they weren't able to convert the win. And I think it's just because of a, a lack of um, this is a lack of determination from the management. I think. Um, lack of inspiration and and probably just a lack of just like talent in the in the uh, striker position. So I want to point out a couple of things you said. Um, but first, I, I want to bring up sort of an interesting stat about Chelsea this year. And uh, I mean, I'm back into November now. Uh, they have not scored more than two goals against any team in the top half of the table, regardless of whether that was a cup game, or whether it was a, it be a goal for to beat on the teams, which most of the teams would. Um, but I want to bring something to you. You that United and Chelsea's now outside of the top four because they didn't win that game. So why do you think this game was more important to United or perhaps the manager of United versus Chelsea? Home game. Yeah, I think it's as simple as that. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 more I, I don't want to overstate the difference because, like, um, maybe I did overstate it. I think it was a very important game for Chelsea as well. I think Chelsea probably was looking for a draw overall. Like, that would have been an acceptable result. Um, I think for Manchester United, it was important that they put their stamp on on the fact that they can beat Chelsea, that they can do they, they can win this at home. It's like I said last week. Winning this game would put them firmly in the in the favorites for the second position. Um, they should be able to see that out now, um, and uh, so that's why for Manchester United is important. But it was pretty jarring to see Chelsea fall directly to fifth um, outside of the top four. And no, yeah. yeah, I don't know if they have like second locked up, but I think United needed this win, especially take is a six point game against another top six team at home. This kind of like really solidifies that they'll probably finish in the top four. It's tough to drop, you know. It's not impossible. It's ten games they still all have left, but you know, six points is a pretty big cushion. Uh, so that Manu, Manu needed it more than Chelsea, and Chelsea is also. I thought they would come off the high of B, of t- drawing Barcelona and continue the good run, and they didn't. They made it. They made a poor change in in tactics and who they put out there, and it hurt them. See, I, I understand what you guys are saying about the change in tactics, but I don't really see a good substitute. Maybe substitute is the wrong word. Uh, I don't see who else. You know, I'm not saying Hazard should come off the field, but I also don't see who you take off the field. I mean, when he took Hazard off the field, right? 
So it, I think the idea was switching. Uh, you know, he decided to switch formations. Uh, he went to uh, a four-four-two once uh, when Sharu was brought on. So just five minutes after bringing on Pedro for Hazard. So maybe the intention was knowing that he was going to switch formations in a couple of minutes. Um, but at the end of the day, he seems to really favor Marcus Alonso. I don't think he's going to bring off Conte. Maybe he could have brought off Danny Drinkwater instead which he did, of a few minutes. Which later. he did, right? Yeah. So, so the bottom line is, you know, maybe Hazard's not your guy, but I don't really know who your guy is. Uh, uh, sort of as a counterpoint. Um, another side note: Can we stop using the phrase "the top six teams"? Like, come on. We, I think we could start saying, you know, the top five teams. I don't, I don't think we need to. I need, we need to bring Arsenal into this. Uh, and on that note, I want to talk about Arsenal because they were just abysmal in this cup final. Um, Ryan, I, I'm sure you, you have a little bit to say about just sort of the three nothing stomping, where it, it, you know, the new look Arsenal wasn't even able to generate chances really against a. A B plus city side. Yeah, I mean, it was. Bad. I mean, this is just pretty bad. It, it was they they the common refrain that I heard from this game. To for all intents and purposes, I didn't see this game. I don't know if we really could have seen this game legally in the U.S. Um, but uh, ESPN, who watches that? Anyways, um, they had Arsenal had one big chance. Aubameyang put it right into Claudio Bravo's like midsection. They had a couple of th- uh, standing three, you know, three kicks, and that's a that's it. And then City just you know put the screws to him. Whatever. I don't know if Mustafi on Aguero's goal thought that he had help, but you don't you don't let someone just like walk past you as the ball sailing over yeah, your head. Yeah, I mean to, to give you an idea about how easy it was to break Arsenal's defense, Claudio Bravo assisted the first goal. Yeah, that's, it's, you don't usually see like pure route one goals like that, but there you go. There's one. Um, yeah, I mean, Gary Neville came out and just, you know, dragged Arsenal's performance, as, you know, calling them, you know, just spineless and an absolute disgrace. Those are actual quotes. Um, it's just, it was pretty brutal. I think Arsenal Man City is a pretty terrible matchup for Arsenal in general. Uh, it's especially terrible when you're playing like a back three like Arsenal did. And yes, Man City played their kind of their B side, but company when he's rested, still pretty good. They still played Kevin De Bruyne. They still played Gundogan, who is very who's having a great like month here. Uh, you know, they still played a lot of their their top tier talent. So it's not completely surprising that they walked. Um, it's I mean, if you're Arsenal, this was your chance to grab a trophy. You would have hoped to see a better effort from them. And I think that's what everyone's kind of locked into is that this was your chance and they just showed nothing outside of one chance early. And then after that, it was just it was over. It's good to see Gabriel Jesus on the bench. That's, yeah, it that's was good, and he came be... in and had and looked dangerous. Had a really nice cross, step over at one point and tried to you know fling in one of his like super dangerous low crosses, and he just he looked. It's good to see him back. Yeah, I think pretty quickly for that severe of severity of injury. So yeah, good for him. It's good to see him back. Guys, and give me some hot takes on Arsenal. I don't know if I have hot takes. I think they're pretty like pretty much stale takes. Like I feel like we have the same kind of conversation about Arsenal and like not just us. Like the conversation around Arsenal has just kind of been the same all year. 
and it's just kind of been for the past three years. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And like, but I mean, like it just, the, nothing really changes. Like after the match, you know, after the, the media kind of went in on Arsenal's performance as like being, you know, less so that it was like bad and more so that it was just completely uninspired. Like it was like, like this is a cup final. But, like, it was kind of just, like, a, a, a Sunday game, you know what I mean? And, and like, um, when they went down, there wasn't, like, a, a fire to get back. It just seemed like the game was over. And, and, and Arsene Wenger was asked this, like, you know, to, to respond to this. And his response was just, like, some, some players are saying that, you know, some former players are saying that my players didn't come out. Well, like they didn't give 200% in all of their matches. And then like, he went on to say something along the lines of, you know, we did fight, you know, like, and nobody seemed, you know, the game was basically over. Like when I went to the third of the fourth official and asked about the time or the third official to ask about the time, why didn't you give more time in extra time? The official said, why do you want more time? And like this response is like that's an interesting response. Let's just well, it's just the that. response is just like just like s- such standard arson banger. It's like it's like the idea that like let's just be you know let me let me like show compassion for this and that. And it's like this team right now is at this is this place where I think like if I was playing for Arsenal at this moment as opposed to like before Sanchez left there's an opportunity to like create optimism around like a new direction and new core group of players and like you know like let's just go out there for the rest of the year and put up good performances that's kind of like what i was saying around how they might be a dangerous opponent but you know maybe the story is just the same you know like maybe it's arsenal just needs a new manager they just need somebody who has a different style and different approach and it's just the same story until they can kind of get a change at the top. Yeah, one thing Wagner, Wagner, excuse me, could have done in this game was take off Callum Chambers because City attacked him, attacked his position. Uh, Guerrero, Sane, Silva had on the majority of their possession, you know, basically in Chambers' area on that on that left side and. He kept him on. He didn't, you know, there was no was no substitution. Um, I'm sorry, he did go, he did come off for well back in the 60th minute. So, like, great. But that was after it was but a three thing. But it doesn't matter. Like, that's not the that's, problem. That's not like, fighting, have, yeah. It, 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 really was, it, was a, it was already 3 nothing at that point. Yeah, he did it after so, the goal. So. But yeah. also, as a manager of games, I have no problem with Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger is a, is a good tactician. He's He's understands the game. I think that the problem is not what happens on the pitch. I think the problem is the just general atmosphere of the club. Players just it's a malaise. People just not players just not showing up for training. Young players like the stories of young players need to be like woken up from their hotel rooms to like even come to practice. Like people calling out sick. Like it's just not the right attitude. Uh, the the team needs a maybe it's just yeah, I think he's always been a kind of complacent guy. But like maybe he's just getting too old to like manage these kinds of guys. Like I, I sorry to say it like that, but and I know this has been said a thousand times. It's just kind of like frustrating that we just always are talking about the same thing with Arsenal. And I'm sure if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd I'd be at my wit's end. 
I, yeah, I absolutely have to be uh, would be at my wit's end if I was an Arsenal fan. And we talked about it when over the signing period that he didn't go. They didn't go after anyone young and dynamic. They went after older guys who, if they're at their peak now, their peak was a year ago. So they're not getting better. Um, yeah, and but that's what the new players that they got now actually kind of are cool. These 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 Dortmund folks. The yeah, they're cool, but they're also like that's not. It's not Wagner thinking long term. It's not him building in the same way that he would a decade ago. And as a reminder, these players weren't good. En- you know, they only Dortmund only won the league once in Germany. So these players were barely good enough to win the league in Germany. So why are they going to lead your team to a Premier League title? I, which ultimately leads me to my question: Do you guys even think Arsenal has a good enough roster to make a top four spot? Yeah, I do. Who are they better than roster-wise? They've got a lot of talent on their team. I think they did when they had Sanchez. I don't know if they do anymore. I, I'm struggling to think of, like, it's. I guess it's Spurs. They have more talent than on the roster, but I don't know if that's true. Top to bottom and the depth that Spurs, I'll argue, has. I don't think that their problem is where you typically would find issues. Like, I think their midfield is strong, um, and I think that they – they have really talented players that can go forward and attack. I think you could definitely say Arsenal can attack pretty well. They, they, they're just like Liverpool on steroids because they have a worse attack and worse defense <laughs> somehow. <laughs> so, so that's like not really going to work out for you. They, they need to make improvements on, on their defense. I, beyond Again, it's like to the manager, beyond, beyond the roster. Like they, just need, they just need a new philosophy. But despite that, you still think they they could finish in the top four this year? No, 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 not this year. Just in general. See, I, I, I'm under the impression that like the Premier League was always overhyped, right? And I, I think we've talked about like which league we think is the strongest this year versus other years. Uh, in past years, I would say the Premier League was so undeserving of being labeled as the best league in Europe. Whereas this year, they might be able to take that title. And I think just other teams in the top of the league have caught up. And Arsenal's manager tactics and roster are not good enough to finish in a top four spot. And if they're not good enough this year, they're not going to be in uh, concurrent years unless they make serious changes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's many changes. Changes are coming. I I have a pretty good feeling that major changes are coming to Arsenal. The, yeah. You know, you don't get embarrassed in cup finals like that. And like, you know, if this is probably any other club, Wagner was gone, would be gone a year ago. But I think even he cannot last. Yeah, but it's like your question wasn't about changes overall. It was like changes to the roster. Like, I think changes to the roster are going to happen. I think the roster is strong. Enough. Their roster should be strong enough today where they could compete. But their problems aren't the quality of their players. They have a very quality side. I mean, yes, but if the coaching and the development and the training falls behind, then your roster falls behind. If no, you that's don't, that's my point. Yeah, but so your talented players aren't as talented anymore if they're not fit and if they're not and if they're getting injured and if Mazin, all the stuff that you were saying, uh, the major change will have to come. The roster probably will get upgraded this summer because they'll be inspired to make the moves, but something big has to change for Arsenal for them to really realistically compete for top four next year. So, Madison, I'm going to ask you, you know, you you made a bold prediction last week, and I want to see you stand by it because, as you reminded me earlier in this week's episode of the podcast, 
you know we're recording, right? Um, you said last week Arsenal is taking the cake tomorrow versus City. And I can't wait till you're wrong, but I want to hear you defend it. I want to, I want to see you beg first. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that I think it's important that we realize that like just because Arsenal is definitely going to beat Manchester City in the league game tomorrow, it doesn't make anything that we just said untrue. Like they still have to make massive changes to their management. Like Arsene Wenger still isn't good enough there, and all that sort of stuff. And you know, just because Arsenal is definitely going to win this game, um, and just because the media is going to have this whole explosion of like, wow, we were totally wrong about Arsenal. They could beat Manchester City. It's like. You know, none of that stuff is valid. You know, all everything we said is still true. Um, you know, it'll just be a nice little result for them. And, you know, enough probably to keep Arsene Wenger in the job for another five years. <laughs> Good. It's almost, keep him. It's, almost, it's almost like the reason we keep having this conversation is because Arsenal will play three or four bad teams in a row. And it's like, oh, yeah, they can win some games. Arsene Wenger can do it. And then this happens. So I was like, Aguero kind of happy they could tomorrow. pull the Carabao Cup out and then, like, you know, oh, we, we keep winning titles. To be fair, Arsenal has won trophies over the last few years. They've won like, the FA Cup three out of the last four years. Okay, which, so, like, which is Liver, a, Liver, some, Liverpool hasn't won a trophy for, what, like, a decade? More? So, I mean, we're all super happy about Jurgen Klopp or whatever. But, you know, maybe Arsene Wenger's just a more successful manager. Liverpool, yeah, and that goes into a whole separate debate about whether, you know, a cup of a tournament. Yeah, I guess, do you care team, about this cup? I, I don't know. I, I think, I think like, ultimately you have to make a decision about what type of club you are. And Arsene Wenger made that decision five years ago when he was like, you know what, we're probably not going to win the league, but I think we could win these cups. Uh, and you've had teams like Spurs who like don't know what to do with themselves. You know, they don't know if they're trying to win the league or trying to win a cup. Um, I think we should take a break, guys. When we come back, we'll talk about some Champions League game, and then later we have the Lock of the Week with Mr. Chang. searching for sponsors, but uh, that break was brought to you by Mazin Circle Rules shirt. Circle Rules, the Wednesday shirt. Mazin, I want to talk to you about Champions League games this week. Um, we got two that really matter, and then the other two don't. I mean, we'll mention the two that they don't. Liverpool, Porto, where the home team has a 5-0 aggregate advantage, and City, Basel, where the home team has a 5-0 advantage. Let's talk about some interesting things. First, obviously, over the weekend, Neymar's injuries, conflicting report over uh, how long he's going to be out, if whether or not he's going to have surgery. But that's obviously huge for PSG's game against Real Madrid. Uh, I believe this one's on Tuesday. Um, what do you see happening in this game? I mean, obviously, and, and further, how do you think this plays out? for PSG, for their manager, uh, for Neymar. Um, a lot Neymar's of interesting dad. things for Neymar's dad, who's obviously very opinionated. Um, lots to talk about here. Yeah, just to get to the uh, get through the rumor mill and two confirmations, uh, it seems like reports confirm that Neymar is actually going to have surgery, um, which is going to put him out six to eight weeks. Um, 
which obviously means he will not play in the fixture against Real Madrid um, and basically won't play for the rest of the season for PSG. Uh, maybe he can come in at the end if uh, everything goes well. Um, but his loss is, is symbolically huge for PSG. It probably will be practically huge as well. Um, and it makes a big difference in the upcoming tie against Real Madrid. Um, obviously already heaps and mounds of pressure on Unai Emery to make a result happen and have PSG kind of go through this round. There's very little to say that he's going to survive if they're not able to advance. And going in with the scoreline the way it is, you know, 3-1, it's not exactly an easy (laughs) situation for PSG. Of course, PSG is intimately familiar with um, second leg comebacks, if we can remember last year. (laughs) Uh, They were on the wrong end of a pretty dramatic one. Um, but uh, to, P- to PSG's credit, not to cut you off, but to PSG's credit, they were able to beat Marseille uh, twice um, over the weekend and today in the Cup. Marseille, uh, both Marseille, Marseille. not a bad team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and, and pretty convincingly in in both games. Yeah, but, the ta- the talent level is just insane. I mean, you can look at the rosters and they're just crazy. I mean. Of course, if we were going by any normal standard, PSG is winning their league by like 15 points at this point, and you know they're 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 cruising domestically. But you know they want to win the Champions League. That's what the objective of the of their board is. And to go out in the first round of 16, um, especially after the unceremonial exit of last year, <laughs> Emery is uh, Emery is pretty much going to be done, uh, and. You know, there's a lot of reports talking about Di Maria coming into the lineup and kind of providing even more chemistry, and maybe it's better for PSG that that Neymar is out. Like, I don't really buy it. But, you know, they have a game. They have the opportunity to play and win and try to, to try to win on aggregate. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Right. Yeah, I mean, I could see... You you could make the case where like yeah you build the build the game around Cavani you have Di Maria against his old team has like you know dials back the clock but that's it's you're still down two goals on aggregate we'll leave it <laughs> I mean what they have to do doesn't change right it, it is yeah. still a two zero win I, I would say it's still possible certainly more improbable. Um, but Ryan, I, I guess the question I would have for you is normally I'm against changing the manager midseason just for a lot of reasons. But if they lose this game, they don't have a lot to play for at all. Um, and they don't have things to play for that they care about, like the French Cup doesn't really matter to them. Um, do you make the manager switch midseason if there's a candidate that you like? Yeah, I mean, the, my condition on doing that is if and only if the if all else fails and you have no other, like the guy you want to hire is available now, then you, then you do it because you give him extra time to evaluate players, get to know the team with going into the summer transfer window. Cause I'm sure they'll spend another half billion dollars um, or try to. So if the guy is available and he's the guy you're not settling, um, which for PSG, they might think settling is anyone not Pep, which, you know, that's unrealistic and stupid, but, you know, PSG will think like that because that's who they are. But if if they have a guy, if they think it's, I don't know, Luis Enrique, and Luis Enrique is ready and wants to come in, then... 
Easton. Easton. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Easton, hey, come here. Okay, so clearly Easton is not a fan of Luis Enrique here on this program. <laughs> but I think, yeah, you give your manager the time, the extra games, the extra time to prepare for the transfer window, if and only if he is the guy that um, you would hire if you had all available options. I'll leave it in. Yeah. Uh, Madison, do you really think Neymar could leave next year? I don't know anything about Neymar, man. I can't predict this man. If there's one thing that I can say about Neymar, it's that he's an emotionally driven man. Uh, and it's possible that he may leave. Like, I would, like, if there's any player that would do something ridiculous like that, it would be Neymar. I mean, I don't, I don't anticipate it, but he's just so driven by his emotions and how he feels. I think that, you know, I, I can see it happening. And I mean, to, to kind of talk about your earlier point about Emery, like it, it better be a perfect hire because not allowing Emery to finish out the year and just like win the league would just like kind of just be a huge dick move. But why do they care? I mean, I mean if there's somebody you're not, available. You're not, you're not gaining anything. Most, you of, are. Your, most of the managers yeah. that, are, that they're going to be looking at are managing other teams right now. So it's like if unless you're looking at somebody that's not working right now, um, yeah, I, I mean, really see the purpose in making an early stage stage move like that, and it, it would it would be so petty to just like fire him mid season unless you had a replacement, which I don't think they'll have. Yeah, no, I, mean, I think they're going to go after like Pochettino, unfortunately. I mean, that's exactly what I was saying. It's it's um, if the guy you want is available now, or if a guy you want is available now um the other game of importance in the champions league next week ryan juventus versus your spurs uh give me the non-homer approach to this game and what you so okay all right i'll take off my homer hat the non-homer hat says to me that this is still going to be a very close, tight match. Like, this is not just be, um, Spurs getting two away goals is obviously, like, awesome um, for them and awesome for me by proxy. But the, it's still even, and Juventus is still a good squad. They And I also, I just don't feel like Juventus is going to be, like, scared or worried about going to uh, England to play. Like, they're not going to be intimidated. They're an experienced veteran team. Um, they do have talent. And, yeah, I'm still, I still think this is, you know, a toss-up and should be probably the most exciting game of, of the, the four this, this midweek. I think Spurs pull it off. But I have, you know, it could be similar to their game against Palace where they needed a 90th minute winner, um, which would be dramatic as hell to say if they like, you know, break a 1-1 draw or something. But yeah, it's it's going to be close. And I think Spurs take it, but it's there's a lot of people saying, you know, thinking this is already over. And that is I don't don't think that's true whatsoever. You got something there, Madison? Yeah, it's definitely not over. Yeah, um, I think. uh uh, a, a big factor in this is going to be, I brought this up in an earlier pod, you know, for our loyal pod listeners, this is the second time you're going to hear this, but I have my own personal doubts about Mauricio Pochettino's ability to win big. 
Um, and we'll see. It's a big game. And I think that um, Juventus has a lot of experience in these situations, a lot more than Spurs. Um, so I think that that advantage is as important as the home advantage. Um, so I think it's super even. The score lines are even. I think that the, the, the trajectory going into the game is even. Um, I'm expecting a good game. If I were to predict it, I think that uh, that uh, Juventus is probably going to end up winning the winning the tie. But I wouldn't be surprised if Tottenham. No. Ooh, Juventus winning the tie. Interesting. Uh, I I think it's going to be a close matchup. I think it's a little too hard to predict. I give Spurs a little bit of the edge because of the two away goals um, and the fact that they're playing at Wembley. But obviously, a huge game, and and Juventus is not shy to playing in huge games. Um, all right, when we come back, we'll do the lock of the week and uh, talk about some huge games in Europe this weekend before the Champions League game. Just quickly go over those. On the phone, second week in a row, Mr. Chang, the 2-0 Mr. Chang. Uh, I want to congratulate you on your Salta win last weekend. Uh, you didn't even have to sweat it out. A 2 nothing victory in the lunchtime game. So, Mr. Chang, I want to ask you, you know, 2-0, you seem to be cruising. What's your lock for this week? Um, yeah. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh so this week, or let's just say last week, um, got a bit, a little bit lucky towards the end, but uh, we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, and uh, 2-0 is uh, not not just winning by one, so we'll take it. Um, this week, I'm looking at English Premier League um, tomorrow, tomorrow night. Um, <laughs> the game, <laughs> Manchester City and uh, Arsenal. So this. It's almost a, a repeat of a couple of days ago, and um, you know, I think the only play here that makes sense for me, and I'm shocked, is uh, Manchester City money line. I'm shocked okay. that that's that's a prop, uh, and it's at minus one forty right now for minus a half goal. Um, wow, I mean, minus one forty. That, that's actually I think that they will decent. find a way to win. I just don't think this game might come down to. A two, I was thinking, if I didn't even see these lines, I was thinking more along the lines of 2-0 or 3-1. Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked that this is uh, even an option. So um, I don't like the over and under on three because uh, they, they might start uh, adjusting based on their game from last week. So um, uh, you might see uh, a lot of uh, a pretty slow start just because uh, there's a lot of uh, anticipated adjustment. But... Uh, I do really think that Manchester City will find a way to win. And I think that, that the game against Wigan from a couple days ago was the best thing that ever happened to them because they really woke these guys up and they're now <laughs> laser it. sharp. Yep, that's, that's uh, all I have. Good luck. All right. I like it. I, I think Madison Malagi will have uh, something. I don't, I, I, don't, we'll I don't like the fact that now I'm up against the – the, the 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 undefeated prediction master of our podcast. That's not that's not making me feel good. Yeah, it's not looking good for you. Um, all right, Chang, we like it. We wish you luck. Uh, and uh, can you just give us an update quickly of where you are, Mister Chang? Because 
uh, we find this quite humorous. So I'm actually unfortunately home because my plans changed last minute. Um, those, uh, the people that I was supposed to go to dinner with uh, bailed on me and asked for a rain check tomorrow night. So sorry uh, to disappoint you guys. Uh, all right. Well, for the listeners, he was supposed to be at an all-you-can-eat sushi and liquor, uh, I don't know, buffet, I guess. I don't think the liquor sushi comes into the form. New York staple, Su- John. Come on, sushi New York Sushi sake. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Thanks, Mr. Chang. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me, guys. Good luck. Thanks, John. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Real quick, Ryan. Tell us about the European games from this weekend, because there's a lot going on this weekend. So, yeah, if you have the ability to see Spanish, German, or primarily Italian games, watch them. You have, in Spain, Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. I think that game's going to be awesome. Madrid just, Madrid just came out and won like 4-1 earlier this today. Uh, for nothing, excuse me. Uh, Griezmann had four goals. I think that game's going to be awesome. You have Sevilla and, and Athletic Bilbao, which I think is a going to be a pretty competitive uh, back and forth game. Bilbao's having not a great year, but I still think they're a strong, a strong club, and will give Sevilla fits because Sevilla can't defend anymore. Um, in Germany, excuse me, we have Leipzig versus Dortmund, which is a good combination of good, exciting teams. You're going to see a ton of pressing and just the Bundesliga is going to be fun. There's going to be goals. You're going to see just it's going to be exciting. It'll be on FS, whatever. And then in Italy, you have Lazio versus Juventus, both really good teams. Juventus in this middle of this title fight with Napoli. Uh, Lazio is, you know, 13 points behind in third place, but you know, they can solidify a Champions League position for themselves with a win over Juventus. You also have Napoli Roma, which is number one versus number five. Uh, Roma kind of had a rough rough go against AC Milan, but uh, still is a good team. And Napoli, again, in a dogfight with Juventus for top spot. As well, you have the Inter Derby, or sorry, the Milan Derby with AC Milan and Inter. With AC Milan is like been on fire uh, recently. Has won something like another another win for them in Lazio today or in Rome today. Uh, in Rome today, yeah. yeah um, it was on PKs. Cup. It was a garbage game, but that doesn't matter. It was also a cup game. But yeah. uh, AC Milan is something like twelve or eleven undefeated now in league and cups. So that game is going to be awesome. Inter's heading had a much better year than I think a lot of people expected uh, up. To to fourth now in the Serie A, so uh, you know, get in on your BN Sports, uh, your streaming services of your choice, regardless of nationality of your streaming services, and um, get these get these uh, continental games because there, there's a lot of them and it's going to be fun. Madison, real quick, so this this I want to talk a little bit more about this Barcelona Atletico Madrid game because this is like really the chance for Barcelona like close out the week. I mean. Atletico right now four points behind, but have a game on Barcelona, so potentially seven points behind. I mean, how big is this game for Barcelona in at Camp Nou? Um, Atletico has been on a tear. They have just the best defense in the league. I mean, 11 goals in 26 games. Barcelona's not far behind. I think they're 12 goals in, in 25s. Um, this is going to be a huge, huge game. Ray Hudson preparing right now. Oh, yeah. No, but Ray Hudson was born ready for this. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, obviously Barcelona's main rivals for the league title this year are Atletico, and this is massive. It's the biggest game of the year for them in La Liga. I think it, I think it is the biggest game of the year for, for both sides. Right? Absolutely. No other way. Yeah. yeah, for no other way to put it. I mean, Atletico, you know, probably... Atletico's last chance. For, for something, you know, sure, they could win the Europa League, but uh, for something really really good under under Simeone uh, yeah. so at the time good. at a, at a time where it might be Simeone's last season speculatively yeah. uh, so I think uh, huge game huge game I'm excited being sports 10 15 Sunday I want to say Sunday um, I'm ready all right guys it's been a good week I'm excited for this weekend I'm excited for non-premier league games should be fun and i'll uh, talk to you next week see you guys